Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hi, everyone in the United States and around the world. Welcome to the show as we are celebrating this November Epilepsy Awareness Month. And I know you know, but for new listeners, I am a woman living with epilepsy. And so I am all about this month. I want to say a special shout out to Richard Roberts, who is in Brazil with the State Department. And Richard, I know you remember when we were in South Korea and they told me, whatever you do, when you go up to speak, don't say epilepsy. But I remember our guest advice when he told me years ago, when you get a chance to take the podium, speak up. So I went up and said, hi, I'm Joyce Bender and I'm living with epilepsy. Remember that, Richard? I know you do. And Gang Young, oh, Gang Young, you were there also because that was in South Korea when you were both there. Now, Richard, I also was with in Japan and Cheryl Harris in the United States at the State Department. Love you. Special wishes to you, Benjamin, in Kazakhstan, and to all the countries listening to the show from China to Finland. I am so appreciative of your support. So hello to you, Yoshiko. Boy, I think this is five years. I'm going to have to check that I haven't missed a hello, Yoshiko. And guess what? Next year is the 20th anniversary of this show, which is why I have to also thank our sponsor, Highmark, who is great, great company and lead sponsor of this radio show. Well, today... Today is probably, don't get mad, anyone else listening right now, but my favorite guest, Tony Coelho, who is like a brother to me. But you know, how lucky am I to know someone as famous as Tony Coelho? And this is Epilepsy Month. And Tony, you are the most well-known leader in America, well, actually around the world, Uh, living with epilepsy, fighting the fight for people with epilepsy. And we have new countries listening to the show. So uh, because of that, and of course, people in the United States that are new to the show, I wonder if we could start by you sharing your story, because I know that will be impactful to everyone here But to all those listeners in Brazil, because of your background, I know it will be impactful. So, Tony, welcome. How about if we start by you sharing your story? Thank you, Joyce. It's great to be on the show. But to your listeners, um, I want you to know that I could well be Joyce's father. So just to give you an idea of our ages and so on. Um, Secondly, for uh, Richard, if you're in Brazil, I speak Portuguese. I'm full-blooded Portuguese-American, and so I love Brazil, been there several times. And uh, I'm happy to give my story, Joyce. Um, Basically, as a young person, when I was uh, 16 years old, I was in a 
pickup truck accident on on the dairy farm uh, that my family owned, and I hit my head, and everything was fine, uh, except a year later, all of a sudden, I'm in the barn. Um, we had a dairy farm, and I was in the barn milking, and I all of a sudden, uh, I woke up, and I was in my bed in the house. My brother had taken me, carried me over to the house, and I had just had a grand mal seizure. Now, my family called the doctor, and the doctor came out and basically told him that uh, he thought that I had a seizure and that I had epilepsy. Um, And my parents, being uh, devout Catholics and uh, Portuguese, uh, were uh, taught that if you have epilepsy, you're possessed by the devil. And so uh, I might say at this point that my Republican friends... uh, uh, think I'm possessed by the devil, so it's kind of bad when your family thinks you are too. But anyway, the story goes on, um, and I had several seizures after that, and so they took me to other doctors. The doctors basically all said the same thing, but they never talked to me. Um, they just talked to my family, and so my family said it was all kinds of different things that were wrong. But ultimately. Then they started taking me to witch doctors, and I went to three witch doctors. The last witch doctor, I finally said I wasn't going to go to anymore, and I didn't, and that started uh, what I call the stigma in my life, and um, that's basically when uh, people assume something about you, and uh, the stigma for those of us with disabilities is something that we face all the time. But anyway, I go to these witch doctors. I say, no, uh, I continue having seizures. I then uh, go away to college in Los Angeles to Loyola Marymount University. Um, and I continue having my seizures there. I think they're passing out spells. I don't know anything about epilepsy, never been told anything about epilepsy. And so I have these passing out spells. At the uh, When I was a, a senior... Uh, the uh, John Kennedy got assassinated, and I uh, decided not to become a trial lawyer and decided I wanted to uh, devote my life to helping out people. And when I graduated, uh, I announced I wanted to become a uh, Jesuit priest, a Catholic priest in the Catholic Church. And I went for it. It was a big deal for the Jesuits because I was student body president, outstanding senior, and all those things. So they announced it, and so I went to have my physical, and the doctor said, um, uh, have you ever heard the word epilepsy? And I said, no, I hadn't, so he explained what it was. And he says, it's what you have, and I can prescribe um, a, a medication for you which could well reduce the severity of these seizures and, and maybe the number of them. And I was thrilled. Uh, I finally knew what was wrong and that there was say, something that could help me. And so I was ready to tell the world. Uh, then he said, well, the, there's good news and bad news. The good news is that your 4F means you can't serve in the military. This was during Vietnam. And he said, the bad news is, is that uh, you have epilepsy and the Catholic Church ad- adopted the canon law in uh, 400 A.D., that said, if you have epilepsy, are possessed by the devil, 
uh, you can't become a priest. So I was denied entry. Well, that didn't bother me too much because I had a lot of job offers, and so I was excited. Um, I called my family to say uh, that I knew what my problem was, and my uh, parents say to me, uh, no son of ours has epilepsy, and you're worth a bunch of kooks down in Los Angeles, uh, and you need to come home. And I said no, and I was really turned off, and that continued uh, the stigma. And so I then tried to get uh, follow through with all the job offers I had, and I fill out the application. Of, and in those days, the word epilepsy was on every job application. And uh, so I check it, and I never got an interview. And after going to several of these, uh, I finally realized what was happening. And so I started drinking, and I would be drunk by two or three o'clock in the afternoon every day. And I was always drinking at a particular location. It was uh, in Griffith Park in Los Angeles, and there were a lot of hills. And and so I'd go to this one particular hill, and I thought it was a mountain, but you know, when you're drunk, you think everything's different. And so I was there, and the day I was going to uh, commit suicide, I, uh, I was drunk. And there was a merry-go-round on the bottom of the hill. And I heard a voice, and it said, um, you're going to be just like those kids getting on and off the merry-go-round. You're never going to let anything or anybody stop you from doing what you want to do. And that was my amen moment. Um, I have never been depressed since then. Um, I felt like I got my mojo back. And uh, I then went back to the fraternity house where I was staying, and I, uh, two weeks later, I had an opportunity to uh, live with Bob Hope and, and his family. And that changed my whole life. Uh, he recommended that I uh, uh, go into politics. He, and he said, you feel you have a ministry, and it only can be practice in a church. You're wrong. A true ministry is practice in sports, entertainment, business, government, but where you belong is in politics. Now, I hadn't thought of that, although I'd been involved in student government, and, and I didn't think of that as politics. And so I wrote a letter to my congressman, got the job, worked for him for 14 years. When he decided to retire, um, I ran for his seat and got elected. Now, what I was uh, in the campaign, my opponent one day said to a dinner party uh, that, I don't know if you know it or not, but Tony's a very sick man. Um, he uh, has epilepsy and has seizures. And what would you think if he went to the White House and had to argue a particular issue, uh, such as water? In Central California, water is a, a very dominant issue. And, and had to argue on, on an issue regarding water and had a seizure. Well, several people at that dinner that night were really upset with his comment, and they called me, and uh, the next day a reporter called and said, um, uh, your opponent said X last night, um, what is your reaction? And the uh, good Lord was with me, and uh, I said, well, I've known a lot of people in the 13 years that I've been in Washington, that went to the White House and had fits, at least I'd have an excuse. And that stopped all the 
negative comments uh, about me, and it's never been used against me again. And so that's when I uh, started uh, in the Congress, and I realized after trying to offer some amendments that none of that worked because we in the disability community did not have our basic civil rights, and people could discriminate. Uh, An employer could say, um, because of your epilepsy, I'm not going to hire you. Openly, legally, could do that. Uh, If you went into a restaurant and you were blind um, and you asked uh, the waiter uh, for uh, some help on the menu and they could kick you out because you were a nuisance. If you went to a movie theater, um, if you were in a wheelchair, they could deny you entry because you might be a fire hazard. And so they would kick you out all legal um, and so forth. And then uh, I started realizing that we didn't have our basic civil rights and something needed to be done. And that's why I started working on what eventually was called the ADA. So that's my story, Joyce. Wow. That's all I have to say is wow. Amazing. I love every time you tell the story. I learned something new, and every time it's riveting to me. And with that, we're going to go to break. If you just tuned in, we have the Honorable Tony Qualo, author of the Americans with Disabilities Act and a man living with epilepsy as we celebrate Epilepsy Awareness Month. We'll be right back with Tony. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you currently receiving SSDI or SSI and wanting to work? Did you know there is a free Social Security program called Ticket to Work to help you try work without risking your benefits? My Employment Options is an authorized SSA employment network specializing in work at home and local job placement in 47 states. Our clients receive a personal counselor to help find the best job fit and a staff certified benefits counselor for help with Ticket to Work protections. Ready to try working? Apply for free job placement help at myemploymentoptions.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Disability Matters. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joyce Bender. Welcome back to Epilepsy Awareness Month. And we have with us today, as I said before, 
the leader in the world, a man living with epilepsy that has really not only changed history by authoring the Americans with Disabilities Act, but since I've known him, and I even know before that, has fought the fight for people living with epilepsy. And I was wondering, Tony, when you think back on the fact that, think about it, millions and millions of people with disabilities have found employment as a result of the Americans with Disabilities Act and caused other countries to have similar to an ADA Act. But thinking about all those millions of people that have found employment and or, I should say, not been discriminated against, uh, how does that make you feel? Well, Joyce, obviously, um, when I introduced it, um, I thought it would have an impact, um, but and I didn't realize the impact that it really has had. And uh, as you pointed out, there's over 50 different countries who have a version of the ADA, not exactly what we have in the United States, but a version of it. And basically what that is is a recognition that those of us with disabilities in all parts of the world um, are recognized for our disability and the need for us to have uh, rights. And so I didn't realize that the ADA would have that impact. I always like to say that we export a lot of things uh, all over the world, uh, some good, some bad, uh, but uh, the best one has been uh, the recognition of those with disabilities uh, have uh, need our basic rights. Uh, so uh, overwhelming to me, Joyce, as to the impact that it's had, uh, and I'm very pleased to have been part of it. Overwhelming to me, just knowing you and thinking about all of that. Uh, Tony, how about a lot of people, I don't think, realize or forget about this, but President George H.W. Bush, uh, how do you feel about him and his impact as a president in getting the ADA signed? Well, I always call uh, President Bush Papa Bush. Um, he um, was a wonderful, wonderful person um, who had a child with a disability who uh, died at a very young age. So he and his wife, Barbara, were um, very committed to the whole idea of uh, disability awareness and disability of su support. And uh, when there were people in the White House that were opposed to him signing the legislation, his chief of staff at the time, um, and I talked to the chief of staff and he said, uh, uh, I have to recommend a veto, um, but I know what you're going to do. You're going to call the president and he'll probably agree with you, but it's something I have to do. I did call the president, and the president said to me, don't worry about it, I'm going to sign it, and, uh, and he did. Uh, and, of course, uh, you, people can get credit for introducing something, but it doesn't make a difference until it's signed into law by the president of the United States, and President Bush uh, did that uh, over the objections of uh, a lot of different people. Um, but he knew how important this was, to those of us with disabilities because of his personal experience. So obviously, Joyce, uh, I loved him then. I remember him well, and 
I have the very deepest respect and fondness uh, for him. Now, uh, an interesting thing was that he authored the Disabilities Act, and uh, the Supreme Court in the United States, um, and about 10 years later, uh, it, the law finally reached them to determine whether or not it was legal or not. And uh, they determined that uh, the ADA only covered uh, people with physical disabilities um, and not uh, people that had epilepsy and intellectual disabilities and so forth. Um, and those disabilities you cannot see, in effect. And so it was uh, uh, kicked out from uh, for those of us with these uh, different disabilities. So we had to introduce the Americans with Disabilities Act amendments, and we introduced it, and it got passed easily by the Congress, and then went to the desk of the president to sign, and the president at that time was George W. Bush, uh, the son of H.W., and he uh, signed it. So the Bush family, Joyce, have uh, been of tremendous importance and really are heroes in the disability community uh, for both of them supporting us, not only in the original act, but in the Amendments Act, uh, which, of course, made uh, those of us with epilepsy covered by the ADA. So I'm very fond of the Bush family. I know. I know you're friends with all of them and with Doro. And I remember with that ADA Amendments Act that you went and met with President uh, George H.W. Bush. I remember that uh, clearly. And for those of you, if you're interested in more of the relationship between Tony and President George H.W. Bush, Doro, his daughter, wrote the book, My Father, My President, about her late father, President George H.W. Bush. And when you read that book, you'll read in there about the ADA and Tony, which Tony, isn't it a shame that today we do not have in politics what we had then? Think about it. You, uh, you were a Democrat. You were the whip in Congress. Uh, and yet, close friends with the Bushes, who were, of course, from the Republican Party. It is amazing how that has changed. Isn't it a shame? Yeah, in the Senate, Joyce, um, we had uh, uh, the Republican leader, Bob Dole, uh, who also became a very close friend. Um, and we had uh, uh, a senator from uh, Idaho, who, uh, a very conservative uh, Republican, um, and Orrin Hatch. And um, both the Republicans who were aggressively for us, we had Senator Ted Kennedy, who obviously had family members with a disability. And then we had Tom Harkin, whose uh, brother was uh, hearing impaired. And they were there, and it, so it became a very bipartisan uh, piece of legislation in the House. Um, Denny Hoyer led the effort for me from Maryland, a Democrat, uh, who is now the majority leader in uh, the House of Representatives. And uh, you had Steve Bartlett, uh, a, a, a Republican member from Dallas uh, who helped make sure the Republicans were in line. And, and who did that was uh, the speaker at the time, um, Newt Gingrich, who uh, asked uh, Steve Bartlett to 
uh, be involved in helping making sure that the ADA got adopted. And so uh, it's been a very bipartisan effort. Uh, disability was for years. Uh, nowadays, there is uh, opposition from um, members of the Republican Party to the ADA. And I would say, Joyce, sadly, that if the ADA uh, were being introduced today, it would never have been. It would never pass. Um, and uh, of course, under the last president, it would never have been signed. So uh, it's now become a partisan issue. And hopefully, we don't have to go to the Congress for something on the ADA. Um, there's legislation that we're trying to deal with the internet, and I'm sure, it, sure at some point. Um, you'll ask me a question on that. But uh, it, it was very fortunate. We had the Bushes and the Doles um, and uh, Senator Hatch on our side and, and Newt Gendridge, who helped us with Steve Bartlett, on the House side. But that no longer is true. Oh, and I know you uh close with so many people from the Republican Party, just as you said. Bob Dole, Senator Dole, oh my goodness. I remember you trying to get CRPD uh, through. I remember how close with Bob Dole, oh, not to mention our late Governor Dick Thornburg and right. Governor Ridge, both Republicans. Right. Uh, how I always felt it was is you could argue in Congress, you know, argue, I'm, I'm talking about now people in Senate and House of Representatives, and the federal level, you could, executive level, you could argue over issues and then leave and go out and be friends. And I would never know any of this, by the way, if you're listening, saying, oh, how would she know that? That's because I've been friends with Tony uh, since like 1996, and I've seen him in action, and I've met all of these people through my friendship with Tony. And would you say that's accurate, Tony, about how you could argue and then go out as friends? Yeah, basically, you could have differences and you could argue about it, but we realized that we were there not only representing our particular area of the country, but that we all were Americans and we needed to do what was in the best interests of all of our Americans. And so you'd end up uh, reaching a compromise. And on the ADA, um, we had to reach a compromise there in many, many different areas. But you could end up with good legislation by uh, both parties working together and, and uh, making things happen. Uh, that's just not true today. And hopefully uh, it's going to get better under uh, President Biden. Uh, we've had major legislation adopted some of it over the objections of Republicans in the House and Senate, but a lot of it in cooperation with them. And so you're starting to see uh, some of that uh, bipartisanship come back. And hopefully in these next two years, as a result of the election that we just had, uh, that there's going to be more of that, of uh, both parties working together to do what's in the best interests of, of the United States. And so uh, that's what politics should be. Uh, it has been in the past, and hopefully it'll be again uh, as we move forward. Amen to that. Well, hey, we're on the half hour, and as you know, we have a news break uh, on the show on the half hour uh, with our newscaster, 
Perry Jude Radic- Radisic. Perry, are you with us? I am, Joyce. How are you today, Perry? I'm good. I'm really enjoying uh, Congressman Quello. It's always a, a great show when he's on. Oh, thank you. So, Perry, what news do you have for us today? By the way, Perry is, she's so humble, so I have to tell this. She's known nationally, and she is the executive director, CEO of Disability Rights of Pennsylvania. So with that, Perry, what news do you have for us today? Hey, thanks, Joyce. Yeah, so um, this Thursday, November 17th at 10 a.m., so it's important uh, for your listeners, a congressional subcommittee is going to hold a hearing on accessible air travel. Uh, The Air Carrier Access Act is the federal law that makes it illegal for airlines to discriminate against passengers because of their disability. Now, the U.S. Department of Transportation enforces the Air Carrier Access Act just as enforces the Americans with Disabilities Act. So it's a subcommittee of the U.S. House of Representatives Transportation Committee. The subcommittee is called the Subcommittee on Aviation. So they've announced a hearing this week. Uh, As of this morning, they had not released a witness list, but I just checked before uh, 2.30, Joyce, and there is a witness list uh, for the hearing, and it includes um, Heather Ainsley from the Paralyzed Veterans of America. It includes Matt Scott, who's a three-time Paralympic medalist for Team USA. It includes uh, the Government Accounting Office. It includes a Vice President for Airlines for America. So um, the witness list is available. If you go to disabilityrightspa.org and click on today's segment, it will take you to a link to the live stream, which includes a list, a full list of witnesses. So according to the press release put out by the Subcommittee on Aviation, the subcommittee is going to discuss the entire travel experience for passengers with disabilities. And Joyce, this includes check-in, security, flights, and baggage claim. The great news is the hearing will be live streamed. So we can all watch the hearing at 10 a.m. on Thursday, November 17th. Advocacy matters. Air travel continues. It's an ongoing challenge for people with disabilities. So we encourage advocates to listen to the hearing and send comments in about their air travel experience to their members of Congress who are actually members of this subcommittee. So again, if you go to disabilityrightspa.org, you can click on today's Advocacy Matters segment. You'll get a link to the live stream, a list of the subcommittee members, so you can see if you have any members in your state on this subcommittee, uh, the press release from the Subcommittee on Aviation, as well as some facts about the Air Carrier Access Act. So Congress is back. They're getting work done, including work on disability issues. So I think it's, it's good for us to, to tune in and, uh, uh, and learn uh, what we can about uh, air travel for people with disabilities. Wow. Oh, so important. I remember... Perry, when Judy Eumann came to speak here in Pittsburgh, and on the way back, uh, on her flight back when she got off the plane, her wheelchair was broken. So, so many stories, so many people have 
with disabilities as to why they do not like to fly. And when you think about it, Tony, that's just another extension of the ADA. Yeah, let me just say something to Terry. Terry, uh, you do a great Terry, job. Terry, Terry. We, mm -hmm. uh, we appreciate it. And uh, at this, one of the things your listeners, all the listeners should know, Joyce, is that the special assistant to the secretary is an individual uh, who uses a chair, um, and Kelly Buckland, and uh, he is the disability person for the Department of Transportation, and one of the big issues there is uh, those uh, individuals who use chairs, uh, particularly power chairs, uh, who uh, need to fly, and that when they get on the plane, when they get off, uh, the chair has been uh, put in uh, the bulkhead of the of the plane, and uh, when they get off, the chair has been uh, broken and so forth. Just think of that. When they get off the plane, they don't have a mode of transportation for themselves. And where can you go to, to rent a uh, chair or whatever. And so it becomes a real hassle for individuals uh, uh, in traveling. And so now what we have is with this uh, act and with the support of the uh, secretary, um, Pete Buducek, that we're now having a focus on uh, travel and getting the airlines to understand that this is something they need to handle. And of course, that's part of the ADA. Yes, so true. Uh, one more time, Perry, where do you, and I love Kelly, by the way, uh, where do you go, once again, where do you go uh, to see this? Sure, to go see to disabilityrightspa.org, click on Today's Advocacy Matters segment. It's on the home, it's on the, the first page you come to when you go to disabilityrightspa.org. You'll find all the links to the Subcommittee on Aviation, their live stream, some facts on the Air Carrier Access Act, and a list of the members of the subcommittee so you can check to see if your member is on that subcommittee and you can contact them about the importance of changes uh, with the airlines uh, that help people with disabilities travel. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Piri. We'll look forward to hearing from you next week. Thanks, Joyce. Take care. Tony, um, I want to I want to talk for a minute about this stigma. <clears throat> the biggest barrier to acceptance and employment of people with disabilities is stigma. My question is: Do you think that is a result of when people see someone? have a convulsion? Do you think it's from the history in the church, or do you think it's from both? Well, Joyce, I think it's from both. Um, when people see a, a seizure, or if they see somebody with a disability, sight impaired, hearing impaired, somebody uses a chair, and so forth, they immediately assume a negative. They immediately assume you can't do something. They immediately assume that there's, they need sympathy or whatever. We don't want sympathy. What we want is a right to fail. And as I always tell Joyce, that if you don't give me the right to fail, I can never succeed. And so the stigma is that immediately there's an assumption uh, that we can't do something, which means that in regards to employment, 
uh, people will always say, well, I, you know, I don't think you can do this because of whatever your disability is. And, and that needs to change. Of course, the, the ADA, it's illegal now to deny people employment uh, if uh, you deny them because of their disability. Obviously, uh, they don't say that anymore, but they always have another excuse, but it really comes down to uh, the stigma that uh, what people feel about those of us with disabilities. Uh, all churches, not the Catholic Church alone, but all churches, this has been a problem. Uh, people ask me, well, why didn't you cover it in the ADA? Well, to be quite honest, if we had included uh, religion in the ADA, we would have never gotten adopted uh, because of the strong lobby that uh, religion has in the United States. And so they're not covered. Uh, but uh, the uh, church has, you know, when, when I'm out advocating on disabilities, I've been to a lot of different religions, uh, uh, the black churches, uh, uh, Asian churches, uh, Catholic uh, church, and so forth, and to try to convince them that, um, you know, that this is something that they should make as a priority to uh, help uh, people with disabilities, to give them the opportunity to fail, as I say. Um, and it's, uh, it's difficult. Uh, we're making some progress, but uh, uh, in my case, of course, uh, it was religion going clear back uh, pre-400 A.D., of course, um, and, and uh, hopefully we can uh, make progress in this area. Me too. Me too. I hope so too. Hey, before, I want to make sure we have time to talk about this. So I, I'm, I'm going to move ahead. I want to talk about something, and that is January 6th. Uh, Tony, you know, I know how you are. When I think of you, if someone would say, what is a key thing of importance to Tony? I would say respect. Respect. That, that's, that's what I know about him. Uh, and you are also a person that is a person of dignity and uh, just so appreciative of what, what you've done in your life. I can't imagine, but if you could share with our listeners, being a former congressman and whip in Congress, how did that January 6th impact you and the recent uh, attempted murder of Nancy Pelosi, but assault on her husband, Paul? Those two things, how did they impact you? Well, Joyce, um, as an American, uh, I'm extremely proud of uh, our government. Uh, you know, it has its problems, makes mistakes, and so forth. But the institution that we have uh, in the United States has really made a difference in the lives of so many different people. Um, and whenever I see the capital of the United States, I'm always overwhelmed and uh, extremely moved by what that symbolizes and so forth. And to have people who deliberately go in and try to break into the Capitol and do break into the Capitol and, and try, in effect, to, to try to um, uh, kill the uh, vice president of the United States or to go after Nancy Pelosi and try to kill her and so forth, uh, it's overwhelming to me uh, how people can have that much disrespect for an institution that has survived all these uh, decades 
uh, and not have the respect that is needed. Now, we have barriers all around the Capitol to try to prevent these type of things from happening. But it that really over, was overwhelming to me and how much it hurt that we had people here in the United States who didn't have the respect of what that institution uh, implies, the, the capital of the United States of America. And, you know, uh, on the regards to Paul Pelosi, Nan, uh, Nancy's husband, um, you know, I think about it, uh, if that would have happened to my wife uh, or uh, mine and my children and so forth, or to my partner, and that what would I think? What would I? And I, I would have been furious and overwhelmed that somebody would try to kill me or kill my family uh, because of my being involved and in trying to help uh, the United States in regards to what happens in this country, helping people and making a difference and so forth. Um, I was, I was really depressed when uh, we found out uh, that Paul. I uh, had been struck and, and his uh, skull crapped, cracked and so forth. Um, and I think uh, most Americans uh, were. Some, of course, have made fun of it, but most Americans were uh, just really astonished that uh, this could happen in our country. But that's where we are today, and hopefully we can get that changed. And And when this particular election that just occurred, I think there's respect come back uh, to some extent to where we were before, and hopefully that's the case. And, um, and a lot of people that were deniers got defeated, and so hopefully that'll make a difference as we move forward. Yes, yes, I, 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 oh, terrible, I agree. Well, let's talk about something really happy that I'm excited about, and that is the Quello Center. Um, so, Tony, so we can make sure everyone understands, what made you decide to launch it, and what is the mission of the Quello Center? Well, Joyce, uh, I have felt for years that um, I needed to do something uh, that would be long-lasting. Um, of course, there's the ADA, um, but I I wanted to pay back um for what has been uh, given to me over all the years. And so I wanted to do a center that basically dealt with disability policy. And one of the things that I wanted was to place it at Loyola University because uh, they're the ones that when I was really having trouble, uh, they provided the way for me to come out of it. They understood uh, what I was going through and were extremely supportive. So I wanted to put my center there because of what they had done for me. And so what we do at the Quello Center is we're, there are a lot of different projects uh, we work on, but one of the ones that I like the most is we created the Quello Fellows. And that is individuals with disabilities, you have to have a disability, uh, and we then help them getting into law school, uh, then after law school, uh, trying to place them with law firms uh, uh, in all different types of companies. But ultimately, what I'm really after is getting people with disabilities on state and federal courts. 
because uh, what happens to legislation, it goes through the court system and the deciders on whether or not something is a legitimate or needed in regards to disabilities is decided by people who don't have a disability. And so they don't bring to the table uh, the personal experiences, the personal knowledge that we have and how something affects us or does not. And so getting people who have disabilities in the court system is critical. And so at the Quello Center, uh, we uh, have now put through 75 different individuals with disabilities and we're uh, helping them. For example, I just was told yesterday that one of our fellows uh, just uh, got the Rhodes Scholarship, is going to England for two years and will be studying there besides uh, the legal degree that he has. Um, and there's so many different examples of how uh, a lot of these uh, young people uh, I'm 80, so everybody's young to me. Um, and the impact that this is having on them. Uh, and we are working right now in regards to making courts accessible, accessible to the jury, accessible to uh, the uh, judge, accept, acceptable to the witnesses, acceptable to the person who is uh, uh, is up for a charge that they that they made, but accessible to anybody who has a disability. Those courts are not accessible, and so we're working on that right now. And uh, the other thing that uh, we are very involved in is making sure that uh, uh, the internet is accessible uh, to uh, all people, including those of us with disabilities. And so it's I'm really excited about it. Uh, the impact that it's had, and of course, what my goal is that this will stay around for years and years after I'm gone. And so I'm really excited about uh, what it can do, very proud of what it is doing. So it's part of my legacy, Joyce, and I love it. Well, when when did you first think to do this, Tony? Like, what was it that happened that made you think to do this? Well, after I left the Congress, uh, I went to Wall Street, and um, I uh, did well financially. And I did some things uh, in business after that. But I thought, you know, uh, I, I owed something uh, besides the ADA, and that I needed to do something that I felt would specifically help uh, the, the whole process. The ADA is a civil rights law, it's a piece of paper, but it has to be enforced by government and so forth. Uh, but what else could I do? Uh, and so I came up with the idea that I wanted to uh, endow a center that its whole focus was on disability rights, that basically uh, it was involved in making a difference for those of us with disabilities. And that's what the center is, it's about an innovation, um, it's about all basic rights, uh, but very involved in technology and innovation, and uh, hopefully we'll make a difference as the years go on. And for someone listening, we'll say they have a disability and they're going to uh, law school. Uh, how mm -hmm. how could they how could they get involved with this? Well, it it's if you're in college. 
um, and you were interested in law, or if you're not sure you are, but you're interested in pursuing it, um, you apply to the Coelho Center, and uh, we have a lot of applicants who apply, and they all have to have a disability, and we then bring them in as Quello Fellows, and they go through the the process, and and uh, and they have a class that they attend. It can it's not only in person, uh, but it's remote as well, so that people can participate. We now this year uh, went out to uh, different countries, and we have uh, four individuals this year from different countries. Uh, and that's exciting to me that we're moving beyond just the United States, that we're uh, dealing with uh, countries uh, uh, where these young people are interested in making a difference in their country. So it's just applying to the Quello Center that's in uh, Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles. And you can look it up on the Internet uh, or uh, obviously uh, you can call the Quello Center. But... Uh, or call Loyola uh, and and find out about it from there. But it is, uh, I hope, um, making a difference and will make a difference, I know, uh, as it keeps on developing over the years. Yeah, and I just want to uh, mention that if you go to Twitter, it's at the Quello Center, at the Quello Center, C-O-E-L-H-O, at the Quello Center on Twitter um, and also on Facebook, the Quello Center for Disability Law Policy and Innovation, or you can just go to the Quello Center at Loyola Law School, which is www.lls.edu uh, with an arrow and then Quello Center. But just go go right to the internet, the Quello Center at Loyola Law School. And uh, also, Tony, if a business is listening to the show, because uh, we have a large listening audience on demand, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, uh, voiceamerica.com, or of course, our own vendorconsult.com, you can listen to this show on demand, uh, it's there for as many times as you want, uh, but you can also share it with others. So for any business people listening that, um, or just any individual that wants to make a donation, do they just go to your uh, website? Do they just go to the Quello Center and there's a donate yeah. page? Yeah, there's a donate page. Um, obviously, um, I've... Uh, uh, committed to endow it, and we're basically there. Um, but uh, to continue to build and and uh, grow, uh, we need to have people who support it. And so, individuals that uh, uh, who are interested in in disability policy and law, um, or have a family member who uh, are a friend or themselves who have a disability, uh, if you're interested in uh, making a difference. Uh, we would love to have you involved. We would love to have uh, different companies. We have a lot that are participating now. Uh, but there's an opportunity to uh, sponsor individuals, in other words, covering their expenses or uh, uh, getting a, a 
donating for a particular part of the program and for naming it after somebody. Uh, but there's all different types of opportunities for people who want to help uh, make a difference. And it's exciting, and I think people would uh, love being involved in really trying to make a difference in regards to uh, disability law and uh, helping individuals. Yes, that's right. And you know what? Even when you have a child with a disability, especially, wow, if you're listening and you have a family member with epilepsy, you should support this no matter what because of what this man did for all of us. And once again, remember, this is Epilepsy Awareness Month this year at Thanksgiving, you know, and the holidays any donation helps go to the Quello Center because this is Tony's dream and that's why I'll be talking about it over and over again on this show. Tony, thank you so much for being with us today. You know I love you. I'm always proud to have you on the show. Thank you, Joyce, very much. You know I love you too and I appreciate all that you do. Uh, to make a difference for those of us with epilepsy and uh, particularly all of us uh, in the disability movement. And thank you to your listeners for participating as well. All right. Well, we went every show with a quote, so you know I had to use this one. I am happy I have epilepsy because that is what made me who I am and why I did what I did with the ADA said Congressman Tony Quello. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week. And remember, in Mary Brocker's words, choose joy. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. We are the leader in live Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com.